Hi, you listen to Brutally Delicious Postcards, and it's Ishai from Tomorrow's Rain. Hey, you are listening to the Brutally Delicious Podcast. I am Bruce. And this is Rina from Silentium, here forever. <laughs> oh, shit, I'm getting fired. Yeah. Oh, he's this is Numbnut Seegers here getting fired on the air. Okay. <laughs> I've been trying to get rid of her for a while, but she keeps popping up in the chat. <laughs> right, right. Like a Okay. Today, we are he- today we're heading over to uh, Israel, which I think is kind of cool because last week we were in the Middle East and Saudi Arabia. So we're going to Israel to speak with the guys in tomorrow's rain. Actually, that doesn't, that- oh, he's here. Hello? Hello? Hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello? Bruce Moore here. How are you? Fine and you. You hear me well? I do. This is my partner, Chris, and my partner, Rena. Hello. Hi. Hi to all. Hi. How do we pronounce Hi. your name? Ishai. All right, you get that, Chris? I didn't know my internet cut out. What was that? Ishai. Y-I-S-A-J-I. Oh, Ishai. Perfect. Okay. Well, thank you for joining us. I really appreciate it. Welcome. You want to take the lead here, Chris? You want me to jump in? Go ahead, man. Give her. You're the lead of the show, man. I am the leader of the show. <laughs> well, anyway, like I said, thanks for joining us. Can you tell us what is the metal scene like in in Israel? Because we've talked to somebody here just recently in Saudi Arabia, and I find it interesting that metal is like springing up all over the the world. Is there a real scene in Israel? Yeah, I mean, uh, apart from the band, I'm working as a full-time metal promoter here in the last 25 years. Oh, wow. So uh, I did shows of uh, more or less every band you can imagine, from Testament and uh, Blind Guardian and Carcass to Rotting Christ, Satyricon and uh, Nightwish, you know, and Megadeth. Everyone. There is a metal scene in Israel. There are a lot of shows, of course, before the coronavirus started. Uh, It came to a point that in the last five or six years, uh, you have every month at least like uh, three, four big names from abroad coming to play here in Israel shows. Uh, And it's very different from the 90s. And in the 90s, you had like maybe one band every four or five months. Right now, you have uh, one band every week. Oh, nice. Yeah, and apart from that, you have the local bands. Uh, I'm sure you know Orphan Land. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I'm friends with Chen. With Chen, all right. Yeah, yeah. 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 So they are friends of us, and uh, yeah, yeah, a lot of uh, local bands. Is is Melakesh still down there? Is like Ashmedai still down there as well, or is he uh, gone now? Melakesh are not living in Israel since 98 or something like that. But they come back quite often, though, right? They are, uh, I mean, Ashmedai is coming here to visit sometimes, but they're okay, not living gotcha. in Israel. They are living in Holland. Right. Gotcha. Cool. Chris? Um, I saw some photos, actually, of the Devin Townsend Project playing in Israel. Did you book that, those shows, yeah. too? Yeah. <coughs> Hello? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, I, I did it. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, oh. I didn't hear. I, the internet kind of cut, cut out on me. You hear me right now? Yeah, I can hear you now, yeah. So, okay. so yeah, Devin Townsend, yes, I did it twice. <clears throat> nice. So let's, go, let's get on to tomorrow's rain. Um, can you give us um, like the 10-second boardroom pitch of the band for people that may not have heard of you before? 
Uh, yeah, we started in the beginning of 2000 as Moonskin. Uh, we took a break in 2006 uh, for five years. By 2011, we started to play local shows again. By 2016, we started to get really serious and start to write the album. Step by step, we played with uh, Creator, Rotting Christ, and many other bands that came here to play and uh, wrote the record. Uh, and it was ready like a year ago. Then we did the label shopping, and here we are. Yeah, the album is, is really great, by the way. I love it. Thank you. And, Thank um, you. you have some really cool uh, features, guest features there. So did you get all those cool musicians through your work as a promoter? To participate or is this not that all of them not all of them uh, I, I just uh, talked about it actually before you called we talked about it with our magazine as well and sent asking the same question uh, I split it to three one part are as you said uh, people that I knew uh, from my work as a promoter for example I did nevermore in Israel and Jeff Loomis came and uh, we became friendly with each other, so I knew him through this. On the other hand, there are also people that I knew from the beginning of the 90s in the underground, like Rotting Christ, Sakis, for example, like Fernando from Moonspell, uh, like uh, Greg from Paradise Lost, people that I know for, for a long time. Uh, people that, you know, you used to send letters. Me and Sakis, uh, we sent letters to each other since, I don't know, uh, 94 or something like that. Oh, wow. And Pen yeah. Pal. nice. Yeah, yeah, like in the in the old underground days, you know, with the tape yeah. and stuff. And uh, the third uh, group are people that never been in Israel, and I never even met, like Aaron from My Dying Bride. Uh, I just been, you know, huge fan of My Dying Bride all over the years. I always try to bring them to Israel, but somehow it didn't work. I wrote to Aaron after, you know, he came out with his thing about his uh, little girl being yeah. diagnosed with cancer. And we started to, to write to each other emails, very long ones, personal ones, not about music. And then step by step, you know, one thing led to each other and, and here we are. But I never met the guy, for example. So it changed from, from person to person. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, because you, you even have some of my friends there. I'm from Finland. And if I'm not mistaken, you had Miko from, from Swallow the Sun do some bits too. Yeah, yeah, Miko is a brother. Miko is a really good friend. But, yeah, you, know, but I have to, you know, if my idea was to bring people that I booked in Israel from being a promoter, then you won't find, uh, if, if that was my agenda, you would find much bigger names in the album. <laughs> that, was not, that was not in the agenda. That was not the agenda. The agenda was to bring people that either are very close to me as persons or people that been an influence like Aaron, for example, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. What else? Um, yeah. Miko is a great guy. I love Miko because. Oh, definitely. Great. And then you had Anders from Draconian, who's also one of my really, really dear friends. And, and oh, it's really? funny. Yeah. 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 Like these are small circles, I guess. <laughs> who knows who other people we have in common as friends? <laughs> I guess. Bruce? Is, yeah, is it difficult getting uh, these bands to come in and play? No, because I have this uh, this picture of uh, I, know, I guess you no know, Israel is being super religious and not really uh, open. To no, not at all. Not at all. I did hear shows of Dark Funeral, Rotting Christ, Marduk. Nobody gave a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> That's that, great. You you bring That's in Rotting Christ, you know. 
if there's going to be a protest, that's when there's going to be a protest. In Israel. I did Rotten Christ seven times in Israel, almost more than any other bands, almost, you know. But okay, so, so my perception is absolutely wrong then. No, definitely wrong. Beautiful. This is why I love doing this podcast, because we get to learn so much about things, you know, because in the West, we learn so many things that are probably incorrect, most likely incorrect. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, we get to break barriers down, which is really what metal to me is all about is of course of course in metal. we never had any problem with religious we never had any problem and i did a lot of black metal bands and a lot of you know uh let's say uh bands with bad reputation like mayhem for example or stuff like that and uh, <laughs> nobody nobody said a word there was always supportive vibe from the press supportive vibe from the people even the norwegian embassy in israel gave us money to do mayhem oh wow oh, nice that's cool. That is culture transport at its best. Well, that's what I love about the metal community because it's such a family and it doesn't matter. It's like, like I don't know if you've ever been to 70,000 tons of metal or even if you've ever heard of it, but... Uh, yeah, I heard of it. But, the, you know, they call it the United Nations of Heavy Metal because, you know, last the last one was, what, 74 countries were represented yeah. on the boat or whatever. And you meet people from all over the world, and you realize that it's just fuck. People love metal, and they're super friendly I think that and metal, nice. Metal has some kind of metal have some kind of a brotherhood feeling that you will not find in any other music genre. We I talk mean, about that all the time. You're right. Metal also have a very strong underground movement that you will not find. You will not find tape traders of jazz musicians or people distribute. <laughs> Or people distribute flyers of ethnic dance music. You will not find it. <laughs> this is you are 100% exist. right. You know, it's not happened. Yeah. Yeah, you're yeah. right. There is, is like a sense of family. We, we've just discussed this before. And as a woman, like, you know, we get to come in too, right? But you know, it oh, is sure. one big fam happy family, right? You know, or one big gloomy family, I guess. <laughs> Doomy and dark, yeah. <laughs> Doomy family. Of um, course. <laughs> so give me one example of like um how, like what when was the first moment you realized that metal was like this big community? Just a personal example for you. Interesting question. You mean worldwide or locally? It doesn't matter. I can tell you two, two, two points that really did it for me. One thing was about the year 90, when I started to uh, replace letters with bands from Europe, sending them demo tapes of a band that I played when I was 16 years old. And the first letter that I got was from a band from Czech Republic called Krabato. It's a death metal band. And in the package, he sent me his tape back and he wrote me a bunch of flyers with like 20 other bands and magazines. Oh. And he wrote you something like, listen, I see that you are green in this thing. Or everything he wrote in a very poor and broken English. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I see that you are not, you know, new in this thing. Take these people, write them. They will support you. 
take these flyers and send me flyers of your bands in Israel, I will distribute them among my people in the Czech Republic. Do the same and we'll help each other. I was 16. That was my first lesson. Wow. That's amazing. That, that, that's a story. And in the envelope, you will find flyers of bands like Dark Tranquility or Samael or stuff like that when they just started. Wow. We always say it, and I think it's really interesting. Like, we could go to shows and meet people, and just meeting them on the first try, if I ended up at a show somewhere else, then they'd be more than willing to take you in. There's, like, this whole the brotherhood that we're talking about. I mean, you can go stay at people's houses, yeah. go see festivals here, go see festivals there. It's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely like this. So this was my first, uh, you know, the first time that I realized that uh, there is a movement which is more than I will promote my band. It was, I will promote my band, but I will help also to promote my friends' bands and other people from Europe, and they will do the same for me. So it was like a circle. And with these underground circles, that's how I met Rotting Christ, and that's how I met, like, the guys from Empor, for example, back in the day. So uh, it was a very, very uh, good way of, uh, you know, uh, learn about the metal community, Another lesson was a little bit after that when uh, I was asked by distributors, uh, like, uh, can you, uh, who is your record label? And I said, we don't have any record label yet. And they wrote me like, listen, if you will release your album by yourself, we can trade our product with yours. Send me like 100 CDs to Holland and I will send you 100 CDs of bands from Holland to Israel. And that's why we, that's how we help each other to promote. I'm that's talking pretty about wild. Nine, I'm, yeah, I'm talking about 94, 93, something like that. And I traded like this with everyone. Relapse, Season of Mist, uh, Napalm. One by one, more and more labels started to go like that. And we were trading like there was no tomorrow, sending each other boxes and boxes of boxes of CDs. And it was the prime time in the 90s. Everybody was buying physical products. Right. Everybody was buying CDs. So, you know, having in Israel CDs from labels like, uh, you know, uh, uh, Moonfog and, and Napalm and uh, Relapse and Century Media, in the beginning was very freshy thing, and that was a great way for me to export my band outside. Oh, yeah. So that's how I learned that instead of I buy from you, you buy from me, we trade each other releases, and we help to support each other labels. That, that's yeah. pretty wild. That, how is, do you think, that is just how do you so familiar. Could, right, that's amazing. How do you think we could make that happen with like the digital existence that we have today? You can't. Now, you huh? can't. But no, you can't. Because once things go uh, digital, there is no uh, excitement in the product that uh, turn people to motivate people to do things. You know, if I open Spotify right now and within five seconds I can go to the discography of every band that I want, there is no excitement. And when yeah. there is no excitement, people are not motivated. That will, not, that will not be the way. I mean, the physical product is out of question beside like vinyls, collectors, and some special boxes and stuff like that. If you want to help other bands, take them on the road with you as a support act without having them pay uh, your bills. Yeah, uh, the buy-on. Do other, the buy-on, you know, 
do other things. You know, take a band, if you are a big band, take them on the road without a crazy buy-on. Help them in a way that will be effective for them in 2020. Absolutely. Yeah. How, do, how, do, how do bands nowadays get, ex- get people excited? How, how do they do that? Uh, well, I mean, uh, it's oh, it's a million dollar question, you know. <laughs> <laughs> because if I will tell you, if I will tell you, like uh, ten years ago, that uh, there is a band in the market, a new band that makes influence from Blue Easter Cult and Merciful Fate, wearing the mask of Arthur Brown and sounds like I don't know old Alice Cooper mixed with King Diamond, you will say, "What is this? Here comes Ghost," you know? Hey. Yeah. Nobody knows. Nobody knows what will work, what will not work. You need to promote like crazy. You need to have a strong PR. You have to to work a lot about the look, social media, tools, everything. You know, and of course the music needs to be right, exciting, and you know, coming from the from the heart, if you ask me, or if it's not coming from the heart and you do like a pop kind of metal, at least do it in such a manner that will impress people either by technicality, high level of technicality, or good songwriting, but something that will catch attention of the people. Cool. Gotcha. Bruce? That's what I do, at least. And it's harder and harder, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This was, like, this was some heavy facts and, and some tough love coming from your way. I can't really argue, though. You're probably right. Well... It's hard because right now it's it's a feeling that most of the things are already done in metal. And what we hear is either, you know, reproduction after reproduction after reproduction of the old things that we know, or, you know, some things that, you know, uh, doesn't really impress you in a level that you will say, this album changed my life. I mean, if you look back in metal and you said in the last 10 years, in the last 15 years, what was the album that really, but I mean, really changed your life? It, was there an album in the level of Master of Puppets or Seven Son of the Seven Son or Arise by Sepultura or even Storm of the Lights by, by Distra- the Dissection in the last 15 years? I Probably not. No. So let me ask you a question. I'm I, gonna, think, I'm gonna I add- think there was. Oh, okay. Oh, you're going to go there. I am going to go there. <laughs> go, go, go. Gojira. The way of all flesh. Well, possible. And you can or also say even, even Le Fon Sauvage. What's that? You can also say Behemoth the Satanist was on a very high level. Yeah. Yeah. But like for me, what the first time I heard the way of all flesh, I fucking, uh-huh. I felt like I was in my 30s at that point and I felt like uh-huh. I was in my teens again. It was just so mind expanding for me to hear i was just like this is what i want to hear in metal you know it really just kind of holy fuck so i agree with you there's not there's not as many as there used to be but there still is some no 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 not a lot you know like few maybe like one here two there but not to take every year in metal from uh, let's say from even from 75 until let's say 96 95 every year and I will ask you to mention for me 10 albums, strong ones, you will get them. It's true. Well, 
you guys' album is going to make that list. Who knows? Maybe it's going to be one of the big classics. Hopefully. Who knows? So we're running up against time, but I had a quick question for you. For me, the album that turned me on that was life-changing, I know you mentioned it was, I remember being a kid and picking up Diary of a Madman, and from then on, you know, cover, I went home, devoured the lyrics and the liner notes, and the album just changed my life. What was yours? The first album that I heard in hard rock or heavy metal? That totally changed your life, that made you a metalhead for, for life. Shouted the devil. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. That, we're actually talking with Tom Worman later today. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. And um, that, that record was released just a few days ago. I think it's like the 29th, yeah, 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 yeah. 28th yeah, anniversary yeah. or something like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Amazing. that's unbelievable. That record, Mine was, that record changed my life, too. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, of course. Shout of the Devil was the first. And then came uh, Iron Maiden Power Slave for me. Oh, that was a good record, and, too. Hold on. What about Peace of Mind? Peace of Mind didn't fit in there for you? Peace of Mind? Uh, not like Power Slave or Seven Son of the Seven Son. Really? I like, I I like it. You know, it's, it's one of my top five Maiden albums, but not in the top three. What about the older Maiden albums, like uh, like with Paul Diano? I love them all. You know everything they yeah. did. Killers, let's say until was amazing. They are all amazing. You know they are all amazing uh, until let's say Seven Sun includes Seven Sun. They are all amazing. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah. but if you ask me, you know what is my favorite? I will mention Power Slave and Seven Sun. The Seven Sun. The the first time I ever heard a double kick beat was the song Red Hot. Yes. First song, side two. I'll never forget yep. it. I would just freaking rewind that beat over and over and over. I probably, I've, i was life changer for me because I was, I was so young back then. I think I was like nine years old and I saw the, 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 the final, you know, in, in a record store in, in, in Israel I was buying like stuff like, you know, rock and pop and U2 and Depeche Mode when I was a kid. And then I saw this picture of uh, Motley Crue and I was like, what the hell is this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and said, Can you play me the vinyl? He said, no, I can't because it's shrinked, you know. Okay, I will buy it anyway. <laughs> and then, <laughs> right. and I took the record, I heard it and I was like, okay. No regrets. Or, no regret. No remorse. Yeah. I've, I've probably bought that record like three times on cassette and probably two times on CD. I have it a million times in the, every every possible version that you may find, including a gold record in my office. Oh, wow. <laughs> nice. All right. So I know I said I have no more, but what's your favorite track on that record? Tough I'm, I'm going to go with Tough. Bastard. No, I will not go with Bastard. I like Bastard. I, I would either go with Knock Them Dead Kid or with Danger. Oh, interesting. Danger is an interesting one. I go with Red Hot. Red Hot, also killer, yeah. But not Bastard. It's a good song. You know, everybody like it, a part of Alan Kaufman. But, yeah, I will not <laughs> go with Bastard. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that's all I have, man. I appreciate you taking time. Rini, you got anything else? No, I think I'm good. I'm good. And this was so nice. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for supporting Tomorrow's Rain. And I really hope that you like the album. Oh, I have one other thing. Where do we go to find Tomorrow's Rain? Well, what again, the question? So where can people find Tomorrow's Rain? 
Well, get well, okay, find the record yeah. or yeah, like how do they get in touch with you? How do they follow you? Where? Yeah, everything everything is actually uh, through our shop in tomorrowsrain.com, which is linked directly to the Bandcamp, and uh, then they can uh, buy the albums or contact us or whatever, or through the Facebook page. We answer everyone, and yeah, that's it. Thank you. Best of luck, man. Stay right. safe. Have a good okay. night. Right. Take care, my friend. Cheers. All right. Cheers. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to something about the Beatles, now at Evergreen, and wherever you get your podcasts.